as long as I do not violate the values, I cross all the T's, dot all the I's, I do what is to be done, so long it's fine. But what happens is that sometimes this anger and greed and jealousy drive me to violate the values. And so then, adharma, or there is violation of values, so this is what causes sorrow. Thus, it is ignorance that causes likes and dislikes. Ignorance that causes this anger, greed, jealousy, all these negative feelings, which ultimately cause violence, all of these are products of ignorance. So ignorance is a primary impurity. So even if you remove other impurities, still, if the basic impurity, ignorance does not go, it's possible that impurities can come back. Even after taking dip in the Ganges, somebody asked a question to Ram Krishna Paramahams. They say that taking dip in the Ganges will destroy all your sins. And still how come we find people as before? See, they take the dip in the Ganges every day and still we find them the same. Says so that is because when they take out their clothes and put it on the, on the, uh, on the steps, then take a dip. When they take the dip, all the sins leave them. They all get, go and get stuck to their clothes. As soon as they wear them, they all come back. So it is possible that sins can be temporarily removed by this means. But as long as the ignorant person is there, <coughs> so long there is always a possibility of those things coming back. And therefore, the ultimate impurity is ignorance, and therefore ultimately one will become pure only when ignorance goes by knowledge. Therefore, Lord Krishna says, there is nothing comparable to self-knowledge, which, no, no, nothing puri- no purifier comparable to self-knowledge. Then I want, this is all to, in fact, establish the value of self-knowledge. So in last few verses, Lord Krishna himself raised the knowledge. How great it is, there is nothing more greater purifier than that. It is like fire that burns all the impurities and everything to dust and to ashes. It is a raft with which you can cross the ocean of samsara. Gaining which knowledge, Arjuna, you will never have delusion again. There will be no sorrow in your life. Then I want that knowledge. I want it quickly. So Lord Krishna in the second line of this verse says, Tatsvayam yoga samsiddha kalena atmanivindati For that knowledge to take place, there is some preparation is required. That is called yoga samsiddha. So when one becomes perfected through this yoga, meaning karma yoga, therefore knowledge does not seem to take place immediately or quickly. And very often it is frustrating to us also that Swamiji, I am listening to Vedanta for so many years. Or people usually don't say, he is listening to Vedanta for so many years. What has happened to him, you know? My wife is listening to Vedanta, what has happened to her? And so, looks like uh, that in spite of listening to Vedanta, in sp- still, knowledge does not immediately take place. We say in the morning, what is meant by knowledge is, when the word has its appropriate meaning. So when the word Brahman is uttered, then it creates in me an appreciation which is what the word Brahman stands for. That's called knowledge. <coughs> that connection takes a long time. In infant, as we said, the connection takes some time, then slowly he knows, and so also this connection takes a long time. It depends. There is no 
there's no in fact definition or there's, there's no uh, uh, we cannot say how much time it takes it depends it is like digging a well when will you get water when will I get water he already got water he dug only 20 feet he got water I only dug 40 feet I'm not getting it what should I do keep digging how long until you get water maybe he is near a river and therefore he gets water in 15 feet. You're farther away from that, maybe you have to dig 100 feet. And if you're in a desert, maybe 400 feet, 1000 feet, who knows. So depends on where we are, meaning that depends on what our preparation is. Certainly, if you dig, you will get water. But you must keep on digging. And we cannot say when the water will come. Similarly also, we keep on digging. Keep on exposing ourselves to the teaching. Pavanaf Punyena, Sarvanam Kuryat, listen to the scriptures again and again. But Swamiji, fourth chapter, I already heard, doesn't matter, do it again. Hopefully it will be different every time. Because the speaker also changes, you know. He told you 45 years ago, he has also changed. And so maybe, this, maybe, maybe this time he will be different. And we all listener also changes. So it's a new thing every time. Anyway, the idea why do they prescribe that we should expose ourselves to this teaching is because in this teaching we are told again and again one thing that you are Brahman, you are limitless, you are happiness, you are whole, you are complete, you are non-dual, you are fearless. Now, in my mind, I am incomplete, I am fearful. This has become so deeply rooted, this hard wiring, that I am a small little being, I am a needy person, I am helpless, I am fearful. This has become so deeply rooted. Therefore, again and again this has to be told. So, as, as Lord Krishna says in the 15th chapter, Ashwatthamenam Suvirudhamulam this tree of samsara, in the form of these various notions, has become so deeply rooted. The habit of taking myself to be a limited being is from time beginningless, and therefore it requires to be impacted again and again and again. So, therefore, Lord Krishna says, that's why I'm yoga samsiddha, a person who has gained that perfection of preparedness through karma yoga. So, first step is living life of karma yoga, living life of worship, performing our duties or actions in the spirit of worship, living a life of yajna, as you said in the morning. So, this is what is required, that has to be done. So, merely listening to Vedanta may not produce knowledge. If the mind is not prepared to be able to grasp what, what the scriptures teach us, and therefore, Along with listening to Vedanta, also we must live a way of life which is compatible to this teaching. <clears throat> what is called Karma Yoga? This we say right in the beginning of this camp. That what is Karma Yoga is nothing but living a way of life which is compatible to the vision of the life. If Brahman or limitlessness is my nature, if non-duality is the nature, 
then I should live a life based on values which are based on non-duality or my limitlessness, then the life will automatically be one of tyaga or renunciation or yoga or giving. So when we live a life of karma yoga, we perform actions in the spirit of offering, in the spirit of worship, in the spirit of yajna. That has to happen because it is that spirit which slowly and slowly removes the likes and dislikes. It brings about a purification of mind. And when the mind gains purity, then Lord Krishna says, Yoga Samsiddha, when you gain that purity of mind. Swami, how do I know what is, what is this purity of mind? How do you know? Purity of mind is the extent to which you are comfortable with yourself. The extent to which you are happy with yourself. The extent to which you can be with yourself. Because the most difficult thing that seems to me today is to be with myself. I just become restless. When I become alone, then I become restless. Even though I work hard to create leisure for myself so that I have time. But when the time comes, I don't know what to do with it. Then somehow I keep myself engaged in some activity because I just cannot be with myself. So what is meant by purification of mind is when this inner pressure keeps reducing and I discover more and more comfort with myself. I am more and more satisfied with myself. There is inner peace. There is freedom from conflict. All of these are indications of purification of mind. Means I am a happier person, that's all. It is not that this life of yoga is required merely to gain knowledge. It is required even to live our day-to-day life you know, for, for example, for relating to people around me. Those who are all near and dear ones, you know, they cause the most problems in our life. Most conflicts are only with people who are so close to us. So most pain is created by them. Spouse being the first one. Children being the next one. Because they are close. Parents being the third one. Friends being the fourth one. Relatives, fifth one. Who else causes sorrow, you find out. Other than this, who are the people who cause sorrow? People who are so dear to us, actually. They are so closely related to us. They are so important to us. And they are the source of all our problems. Otherwise, somebody in Australia doesn't create any problem. doesn't matter what he does. It doesn't matter to me. So understand that in order for us to enjoy even this day-to-day life and enjoy the relationship with the people that we have, it is necessary that my mind should enjoy relative freedom from impulses. You know, I'm an angry person, then the people have a problem with me. And so, to the extent that I am a forgiving person, to the extent that I am a compassionate person, to the extent that I am a quiet person, accepting person, generous person, to that extent, naturally, people find it easy to relate to me. And to that extent, my relationships, there is greater harmony. What is this happiness? It's not always eating pizza and eating ice cream. That's not everything. Or only watching TV. This is where happiness is. That you enjoy each other's company. You enjoy your children. Enjoy your spouse. Enjoy your friends, relatives. Enjoy things that are there. 
Because our greater enjoyment comes from these things, from food and stuff like that, a limited enjoyment comes. But most enjoyment comes really from our relationships, because we are emotional beings. And that's why greatest problems are there. That is why I keep on eating pizza. Not because I enjoy it, but because, you know, the, uh, Swami, I'm eating my nervousness. Keeps on putting weight or losing weight or whatever. Therefore, Nayam Loko Stegnya say, Lord Krishna said that the one in whose life the spirit of yajna or sacrifice or offering or worship or, or service is not there, he cannot even enjoy this life. So enjoy life means enjoy relationship, number one. Enjoy work, number two. Enjoy your possessions. Enjoy what you have. Always looking out for another thing. I want a bigger car, but enjoy the one that you have anyway. You have a bigger car if you want, if there is a need, that's all right. But not this crummy car, I don't like this. this. The capacity, as we said yesterday, the capacity to enjoy what there is, is gained by living a life of karma yoga, of living a life of yajna, of living a life of charity, generosity, service. Tatsvayam yoga samsiddha and thus living, consciously living a life like that, one gains a perfection, meaning purification of mind, kalena, in course of time. Because as we said, we cannot define how much time will it be, just as we cannot say, when you'll get water when you're digging the well, those depends upon where you're digging. So also depends upon where we are starting. Everybody has their own disposition, everybody has their own preparedness, and own, own emotional maturity, and so in time. That's why in yoga samsiddha karayana atmanivindati. You gain the knowledge of your own self. So how do I know that I've gained the knowledge? Don't worry, you will know. How do you know that you are happy? Do you need somebody's approval that I am happy? Because you know that you are happy. It's immediate knowledge. How do you know that you are bound? How do you know? How do you know that you are a small, you are, you are a small being, you are a limited being, you are inner? How do you know that? That's called jnanam. Similar knowledge takes place that I am free. And therefore, Atman even one will know this in one's own self. Of course, it is taken for granted that one keeps on exposing oneself to the teaching. That is always there. Shravan is there. These are there. But what is also important is antahaka shuddhi or preparedness of the mind. Swamiji, thank you. I'll come after six years now when I'm prepared. Don't do that. Continue with this. Along with that, continue that also. So this jnana karma samuchya, <laughs> meaning that live the life that you do, plus also continue to study. Because this also gives purification. As we gain clarity about the life, Vedanta only teaches about the basic realities of life. So as we gain clarity about the basic realities of life, then things become clear in our day-to-day life also. So this also helps us living life intelligently. And Therefore, impurities or impulses born of wrong notions, that also goes when the notions are corrected. So, this also is important. At the same time, living a yoga way of life also is important. 
What do we require? When do we know that we are prepared? What kind of preparation is required for the knowledge surely to take place? That's what the that's what Lord Krishna says in the next verse, verse thirty-nine. Again another famous verse. Or at least famous quote. Shraddhavan Lavate Jnanam Tatparasayatendriya Jnanam Labdha Param Shantim Achirena Dhigachade Shraddhavan Labhate Jnanam Shraddhavan one is possessed of Shraddha. This Vaan is, is Matupratya. Becomes what? When it is preserved or Aha. So Pushpavan, Prajavan, Kirtiman. So when Matupratya is or Aha, then it becomes what? Otherwise it is Mat. So Shraddhavan. But then this Matupratya is added to show abundance of something. When you say Dhanavan, Dhanavan means a wealthy person, not just one possessing money. If I have five rupees in my five dollars in my pocket, I can't be called Dhanavan, you know. If I have some five million dollars, then I can be called Dhanavan, means, so that Vaan, that Matupratya, in sense of abundance. So Shraddhavan is not just possessed of Shraddha, one with abundance of Shraddha, one is full of faith. <coughs> Such Shraddha which will not be shaken up. Each one of us is our own quota of Shraddha or the trust of faith. We believe in God also, believe in this, believe in things. But still, our, our faith is very often subject to being shaken up. Swamiji, I, I wonder, you know, whether this God or not. When something happens in life, you start questioning whether there is God or not. But he is God, he, you say he is a benevolent God, what do you mean that? Where is he? So events do happen in our life which sometimes shake up our Shraddha, our faith. Then you know Shraddhavan. Shraddhavan is one who possesses faith that is not subject to being shaken up like that. One is full of faith. That means that one has developed that kind of faith, not blind faith, but the faith arising from an understanding. That is why clarity of understanding becomes very important. Then we can have also an enlightened faith. Not just blind faith. Faith is good, whatever it is, whether it's blind or not blind. But then, it's always desirable to have faith backed by understanding. Therefore, the understanding that Vedanta provides becomes very important because then our faith or the trust also is based on the reason, based on reasoning, and therefore it will not be shaken up. <coughs> so, Lord Krishna says that of all the qualities of the mind, Shraddha or the trust is the most important. In fact, Vedanta talks about the fourfold qualification. Viveka, Vairagya, Samadhi, Shatka, Sampatti, Mumukshutvam. The Samadhi, Shatka, Sampatti also is Shama, Dhamma, Uparama, Tidiksha, Shraddha, Samadhanam. Shraddha is one of those six actually. And see, Lord Krishna says, Shraddhavan Laparajnanam. Meaning, Lord Krishna seems to give a premium to this quality called Shraddha. What is Shraddha? Shastrasya, Guru Vakyasya, Satya Buddhyavadharana, Sa Shraddha, Kathita Sadvehi, Yaya Vastu Palabhyate. 
So Vivek Chodamani describes Shraddha like this, Shastrasya Guru Vakyasya. The statement of scriptures and statement of the teacher. They create in me this response that, yes, this is right. Satya buddhya avadharana, avadharana, a determination or conviction which takes place in my mind when I listen to the teachers and the scripture statement. Satya buddhi, that this is true. So when my mind responds this way, see when we, when you're listening to this, your mind keeps on responding in some way or the other. Although you're all sitting silently, but you're all actively involved. Unless you're sleeping or you're lost or something, that's a different matter, dozing off. But otherwise, as long as you're actively listening, then you are actively involved. And then when you listen to what is being said, your mind also responds sometimes, what is he saying? How can it be? What is this? Not, this can't be. Or sometimes it's yes, that's right, that is right, that is right. So thus, when the mind has this disposition, that it responds in this manner automatically, this is right, this is right, this is right, that disposition is called Shraddha. Disposition where the mind is disposed to be able to receive positively these, the explanation of the unfoldment of the teacher of the scriptures, that is called Shraddha. Because then, the mind, as I said in the morning, mind has no resistance. As Swami used to say, it is like a sponge which absorbs water right away. So also mind is like sponge. Mind that possesses Shraddha is like sponge. The words of teacher are absorbed because there is no resistance. Not only there is no resistance, but there is a conviction inside that what the teacher says is right. That conviction arises also when we give a thought to this as to why should the teacher, what he says, why should it not be right? So some people go to listen to the talks to only get confirmation of their own belief. And the speaker says something different, then they say, he doesn't know. He doesn't know. He says this. So whether we go to learn something or whether we want to remain intact and keep on judging the speaker. But anyway, the, what is meant by learning? Here in Vedanta, what is meant by learning is our wrong notions about the self, they are dropped off. The Shraddha becomes so important here because the subject matter is I, myself. Subject matter is self, subject matter is world, Subject matter is God, this subject matter of Vedanta. And about all these three, I already have preconceived notions. I know exactly, I know who I am, I know what the world is, I know what God is. Everybody, every human being is bound to have convictions about all these three. And that is why I don't go to teacher with a clean slate. I go with already preconceived notions. And that is why when teacher says something that seems to contradict my notion, then a conflict arises in me. And if I'm very proud of my notions, or if I'm identified with notions, then I question the teacher. On the other hand, if I have trust in the teacher, then I'll question my notion. So either I take the side of the ego, or I take the side of the teacher. 
So Shraddha enables me to identify with the teacher in the scriptures. And from the platform of the scriptures and teacher then I look at my own notions about myself, about world, about God. Shraddha enables me to create a distance with myself, with my ego, with my beliefs, with my notions. And I'm able to objectively analyze every notion in the light of what the teacher explains. And when I find that the notion that I entertained was not right, I am willing to drop. That is called learning. What is meant by gaining knowledge is that we gain more and more clarity, that more and more notions are dropping off. When all notions go away, you say you have the knowledge. So, what is meant by knowledge is removal of ignorance. And what is removal of ignorance is removal of these notions. And they can go only when I have the objectivity to scrutinize these notions in the light of what the scriptures are teaching. And that is possible when I identify the scriptures and teacher. That happens when I have trust and devotion for the teacher. Therefore, Lord Krishna says, Shraddhavan, this is a very important quality, which is a disposition of mind. <coughs> what does Shraddha do? It's not enough that we have Shraddha of the faith, tat The Shraddha gives a commitment. Shraddha in teacher, Shraddha in scriptures, Shraddha in what they're teaching. So Vedanta teaches us that it is, then what is, you know, what's the process? The process is attainment of what is already attained. Vedanta teaches that what you are seeking to be is you already are. The limitless that you are trying to be, you already are. So you are what you are trying to be. That means the life should become a process of discovery. Rather than process of becoming different from what I am, it should become a process of discovery. Therefore life should become a process of yoga instead of bhoga. So, as we understand Vedanta, then we gain clarity about what the objective is, what the means are, and that is how this brings about a complete transformation in my mind, complete transformation in my perception, and therefore a complete transformation in the way I do things in my life. My priorities change, my values change, and therefore Shraddha gives, it brings about a, the learning, learning brings about transformation, and Lord Krishna says, Tatparata. There is a commitment also to pursue the knowledge or commitment to pursue whatever is required to gain the knowledge. Shraddha gives you Tatparata, commitment. Tatparata also can be called Bhakti. So Shraddha gives you Bhakti, the devotion to my goal, devotion to the means, and devotion to everything. And that's, that's a motivating factor. That's what enthuses me to do things. Enthuses me to study more and more, enthuses me to apply this, this karma yoga in my life, enthuses me to bring about purification of mind, enthuses me to give whatever qualifications are required. Because it is not enough that we just believe in things, it is necessary that we should actually attempt to acquire, achieve those things, put them into practice. So Shraddha brings about Tatparada. Or Shraddha must be accompanied with Tatparada or commitment. Commitment to gain knowledge. Commitment to gain the purification of mind. 
So commitment to live a life of values, commitment to live a life of yoga, all that commitment also is required. Sanyata Indriya and one who has a commitment to basically the uh, commitment to the means, you know, the sadhanam. <coughs> That's called Tatparada. <coughs> and Sanyata Indriya, the third thing that is required is a mastery over my sense organs. Because even though Shraddha is there, if I am not, if I am indolent, meaning I am not very committed to what the objective is, what the means are, then nothing happens. I know Swamiji meditation is good for me. I know yoga is good for me. I know this is good for me. I know that is good for me. Then what? But I don't do it. It's not enough to know that it's good for me. I know I should eat salad every day, I should eat fruits every day, Swamiji, I know that. And all this fried stuff I should not eat, I should eat only steamed things, I should know. I know it's all good. But I don't do it. Why do I not do it? Because I cannot overcome my temptations. So when I see pizza, I swami, I, it's just my weakness, I can't control. The TV I have to watch, you know, that, that serial I cannot give up. This movie is just wonderful. This is that, and never, these temptations are there. The urge for immediate gratification is there always. So this is a path which gives you ultimate gratification, long-lasting gratification. But in order to gain that lasting gratification, you have to give up the immediate gratification. Otherwise, energies are wasted. So, Sanyatendriya, one who has control over his sense organs, meaning one who has control over his urges, one who can overcome the temptations, one who has, who can overcome the urge for seeking immediate gratification. Sanyata Indriya. Indriya means urges for gratification. So Lord Krishna says three things are required. First, what is required is Shraddha. That they say, I am Brahman. I, that's true. I mean, it makes sense to me. If there is Shraddha, how can you say Swami? How can I be Brahman? You mean, everything is God, how can it be? So when that basic Shraddha is not there, then you cannot do what is required to, you know, to live a life that is compatible to that. <coughs> so therefore, Lord Krishna says, three things are required, Shraddha, abundance of faith, Tatparada, an exclusive devotion to the practices, and Sanyata Indriya is discipline. To be able to... <coughs> overcome or subdue the urge for immediate gratification, then one definitely gains knowledge. <coughs> then what happens because of the knowledge? Jnanam labdhva, having gained the knowledge, param shantim achirena adhigachari. When one gains the knowledge, achirena, immediately, param shantim adhigachari, one attains the lasting peace. And so, what is the absolute peace or lasting peace? So sometimes Lord Krishna uses the word peace. The same as Ananda. So Ananda is the same as peace. Ananda should not be equated to some kind of uh, experience, you know, of elation, etc. But Ananda goes even beyond the elation. It is nothing but absolute peace. One gains absolute peace. 
Meaning one becomes free from every conflict. One becomes free from every sense of every need. One becomes free from everything that creates any kind of a disturbance in the mind. Basically what causes disturbance in mind is my non-acceptance of myself. When I discover that I am limitless, I discover that I am whole or complete being, then there is a total acceptance of myself. Atmaneva, Atmanatushtaha, one gains a complete satisfaction with oneself. And understand that the maximum problem I have is with my own self. Even problem with the spouse also is because I have problem with myself, basically. Meaning all problems I have with anybody else, spouse is just an example, anywhere, is because I basically have problem with myself. And what is my problem with myself? Is that I am not happy with myself. I am not accepting of myself. I am not comfortable with myself. That is why mind does not enjoy peace. Param Shandim, Lord Krishna says, what is this knowledge? Knowledge is discovered the fact that I am complete, I am whole, I am free, I am limitless, I am non-dual. And then there is a complete accept satisfaction with myself, complete acceptance of myself, therefore all inner conflict disappears. Thus mind is completely at peace with itself and therefore it is at peace with everything else. So a wise person is not only at peace with himself, he is at peace with the world also. There is nothing whatever that can disturb his peace. Nothing whatever. Because nothing can ever remove this knowledge that I am Brahman or I am complete. Nothing that happens out there can ever, ever uh, shake this knowledge or ever negate this knowledge that I am complete. And only thing that disturbs my mind is my incomplete and nothing that happens out there, only thing that makes me disturb is whenever I find that I'm incomplete or limited, that's what causes disturbance. When there is a firm knowledge that I'm limitless, nothing whatever happening in or out can ever disturb that peace. He gains a lasting or abiding peace. That's called moksha. Because Shraddha is important. So Lord Krishna emphasizes the Shraddha. In the next verse, Lord Krishna says, Ajnascha Shraddha Dhanascha Samshayatma Vinashyade Nayam Lokostina Paraha Nasukham Samshayatmanaha Agnya, ignorant one, Ashraddha Dhanaha, one who doesn't have Shraddha or the faith, Samshayatma, and one whose nature it is to doubt everything. These three fellows, Vinashyadi, they perish. Lord Krishna says, an ignorant person. By ignorant here we mean, person who does not have viveka or discrimination, a non-discriminating person. Secondly, a non trusting person, or one who doesn't have trust, and thirdly, one who keeps on doubting. In the progressive degree, they perish. Agnya ashraddhanascha samshayatma vinashyade. So, Lord Krishna says here, these three fellows perish. Everybody is ignorant anyway, meaning that as long as we are ignorant, so long we perish in the sense that 
we are deprived of the natural, the goal of our life. But an ignorant person can be dealt with. It just is ignorant. And he at least has Shraddha, then he can, if a person is ignorant from that, bless Shraddha. If he has Shraddha, then the teacher and the scriptures will bless him. With Shraddha in God, with Shraddha in scriptures, then he will be blessed and then definitely he can one day be gain, he can gain liberation. He can achieve the goal of his life. But ignorance also and doesn't have Shraddha. That's a little difficult case. But if he doesn't have Shraddha, someone will say, I don't believe in God. I don't believe in this. Now what are these uh, scriptures? I don't believe in them. Okay. If you, are, if you do not believe, all right. But are you ready to, are you ready to communicate to us? Are you ready to talk to us? Yes, Swami. Are you ready to understand the reasoning? He says, yes. So, person, right, does not believe. But at least, he is willing to, to understand. Then with reasoning, we can create Shraddha in him. People say, I don't believe in God. All right. My daughters say, I don't believe in God. My sons say, I don't believe in God. Bring them here. Where else will they go? Okay. As long as a daughter or son is willing to talk to the Swami. Yes, Swami. Sometimes they know, then there's nothing you can do. But they're willing to talk. That's fine. We ask a question. You don't believe in God. Okay. What kind of God you don't believe in? Swami, they talk about God who has feet in hands and is this and that. You know, I don't believe in that God. Well, God is sitting in the heavens and controlling all the affairs sitting there and punishing us. I don't believe in that God. Okay. So, when a person says, I do not believe in God, they do not believe in a God, a particular kind of God, a particular concept of God they don't believe. So they say, I don't believe in that God also. I also don't believe. But let us talk about what we have to say about God and see whether you have any problem with that or not. And there will be no problem with that. So even if a person does not believe, and there is a reason why a person does not, because of some experiences, because of what they have been told, because of something that is an emotional problem. This not believing God is really an emotional problem. Or not believing in teacher, etc. is emotional because Maybe they had experienced something, maybe their parents told them something, maybe somebody told them something about God, which turned them off. Maybe they came across somebody who turned them off, and they said, Swami, I don't believe in this Swami. Why? Because Satin is Swami. So they will brand everybody in the same way. It's possible. Maybe not believing may have this reason. Then you'll understand, what is this emotional reason why the person does not believe? And help them overcome that. Therefore, and a person is ignorant, which everybody is, and person does not have Shraddha, then with reasoning, we can create Shraddha. But a person is ignorant, he doesn't have Shraddha, and then he doubts everybody. Then you cannot, that means there is not available for reasoning also. Hey, Swami says, this person is my, my son-in-law is fine, wonderful. There are only two problems. He doesn't know anything, and he doesn't believe in anything. <laughs> and what else? So a doubting person, person who doubts, 
what, you know, some curling agent, some sourness is added, then what happens? They separate. When they separate, none of, none, nothing has a value. Water has no value, milk also has no value. Both are gone. So they say that in relationship should be like similar to milk and water. But moment this curdling agent of distrust is added in the relationship, it, it destroys everything. So trust is the most important thing. And nothing happens without trust. And I open my mouth trusting that I'll be able to speak these words, otherwise I can't even open the mouth. As Swami says, this fellow, you know, this is the ophthalmologist have developed some new method of bringing, of giving sight to the blind person. So the operative surgery is done. And now the doctor says, come on, open your eyes. He says, this man is blind from his birth, so he's never seen anything. Now the surgery is performed, and now the, the new, the discovery is such that they can actually make the blind person see all that is done. The doctor says, open your eyes, see. The doctor first guarantee that I'll be able to see, then I'll open the eyes. Unless you open the eyes, how can you ever see? But no. So, we see, do not trust. We cannot even take a step. You can't even sit and ride a bus if you don't trust the driver. You cannot ride an aeroplane if you don't trust the pilot. You can't do anything. You cannot check in your luggage if you don't trust that the luggage will come or will get lost. When luggage gets lost a few times, you don't trust anywhere also. And that's why I find people carrying the luggage. Why do they? They lug this luggage, you know. They carry it and these airports are so big. From one end they keep on dragging. So why do you check in that? No, Swamiji, you don't know whether it will come, come there or not. So better you take charge of your life. You cannot trust. Nayam Lokosti, for a person who keeps on doubting everything, he cannot enjoy the pleasures of this world. Then what you talk of heavens, which requires at least this world, you cannot even earn money. You should do not trust your client. It, it, you know, they, they say that payment within 30 days. That requires some trust. That this world will pay after when you send them the goods, in 30 days they are supposed to pay. If you don't trust them, you cannot send them goods. You can't do any business. If you cannot trust the client, if you cannot the shopkeeper, you cannot trust them, you can't buy anything, you can't sell anything, you cannot do any vivara at all. Because every interaction or transaction requires some trust. If you doubt that, you cannot do anything. So this man will not be able to live happy life in this world. Then where is the question? He doesn't trust the scriptures, so he cannot perform the rituals, he cannot go to heavens. Then where is the question of gaining moksha, which requires trusting the teacher in the, in the scriptures? And therefore, this doubt is the most papishta, most vicious thing. And therefore, one should not keep this doubt in one's mind. And so the next verse says, Yoga sanyasta karmanam Jnana sanchinna samshayam Atmavantam na karmani Nibadnanti dhananjaya 
jnana sanchinna samshayam. Now, how is this samshayam? How can the doubt be transcended? Jnana sanchinna samshayam, jnana sanchinna samshayaha. Yes, yes. The one for whom all the samshaya, the doubts, are destroyed by the knowledge. The knowledge that destroys the doubts. The doubts are in absence of knowledge. So jnana sanchinna samshayam, one whose samshaya, the doubts, are cut asunder because of knowledge. And how did knowledge take place? Yoga sanyasta karmanam. Yoga. This word yoga can be interpreted two ways. One way is yoga means karma yoga. Yoga sanyasta karmanam. That person is living a life of yoga. What's the life of yoga? Performing a duty is as worship to the Lord. So yogi is a person, he is a devotee, who whatever he does, he does it in the spirit of worship of the Lord. Or as an offering, as service. On account of that, he gains in course of time, antaka shuddhi. The mind becomes free from likes and dislikes, mind becomes sattvic. In that sattvic mind then, the love for knowledge arises. So in the beginning, when the mind is full of rajas, there is love for pleasure. When the mind is sattvic, there is love for knowledge. As love for knowledge arises, then he pursues knowledge. As is that, he gains the knowledge. So yoga sanyasta karmanam. Then yoga means knowledge. So by the yoga of knowledge, one who has become totally, who has renounced all the actions. Meaning, he renounced also the sense of doership. So first of all, yoga sanyasta karmanam means by living a life of karma yoga, one gains the purification of mind because of which one discovers a desire for knowledge, a value for knowledge. And then to pursue the knowledge, he renounces the action, becomes a renunciate. He goes to a teacher and pursues the knowledge through shravanam, mananam, nidhyasanam. As a result, he gains the knowledge. And what's the knowledge? I am the actionless self. So that's the ultimate renunciation. So first level of renunciation is by will. Second level of renunciation is by knowledge that I am actionless. Yoga sanyasta karmanam. So one whose actions are all renounced in the wake of the knowledge that I am actionless self. Sarva karmani manasa sanyasya. So renunciation means all the actions are given up because I discover that I am actionless self. I do not perform any actions anyway. Jnana sanchinna samshayam. By this knowledge, all the samshaya, the doubts, are cut asunder. <coughs> Atmavantam, the person is Atmavan, person is vigilant, person is alert. Meaning that, what is meant by vigilance or alert is, that if you are not alert, the old habits can take over us. The old habits, the temptations which will be there for the pleasures, or the habit of identifying the body, all these habits can take over Atmantam, the person is vigilant. Meaning that does not fall for the habit, does not again identify with the body. That means one who has an abidance in knowledge. So yoga sanyasta karmanam can be the result of shravanam that by the yoga of knowledge one has discovered the self is actionless. Gnana sanyinna samshayam by mananam one whose doubts are all removed. Atmantam by nididhyasanam one 
who gains an abundance in knowledge. Na karmani nibadnanti dhananjaya, he dhananjaya, to a person, wise person, the actions do not bind. Actions bind only when there is sense of doership. When the sense of doership is gone, in the wake of the knowledge, he Arjuna, the karma or actions do not bind anymore. <coughs> Meaning, Lord Krishna says, do not think that the actions bind you. It is your ignorance that binds you, or it is sense of doership that binds you, or it is attachment to karma phala that binds you. Arjuna wants to give up this karma. Arjuna wants to take a drop from this, from this duty of fighting this battle, in the, in, because of his thinking that it is karma that binds. Therefore, in all these verses, Lord Krishna says, it is not karma that binds. It is the attitude that you have in performing action, or attitude you have towards the result of action, that binds you. And therefore, you have the freedom to, to entertain right attitudes. Then you can perform the karma without being bound. Therefore, in the last verse, Lord Krishna says, Therefore means what? Because if you live a life of karma yoga, then you can gain purification of mind, and you can gain knowledge, and you can get liberated. On the other hand, if you have doubt, then you will not be able to undertake any pursuit, and ever you will always remain bound. There are two reasons. Because if you take to life of karma yoga, when you perform a duty as a worship to the Lord, that brings about the purification of mind, which ultimately brings about knowledge and liberation. Therefore, karma yoga is important. Further, if you doubt this teaching, then you won't be able to pursue anything, in which case you will perish. So by placing your trust in what is being taught here, you will be liberated. On the other hand, by doubting what is being taught here, you will perish. Therefore, tasmat dever agnyana sambhutam samshayutam samshayam gnyanatmana samshayam gnyanasina chitva. Therefore, this doubt that is arisen in your mind. Because in the beginning of the third chapter, Arjuna asked this question. Jayasi chet karmanaste mata buddhir janadana. He janadana. If, as you say, knowledge is superior to action, tatkim karmai ghore maam niyo jaisikeshava, then, O oh Lord, why don't you let me become a renunciate? If knowledge is superior to action, knowledge can be gained by renunciation, then why don't you let me renounce the action? Why do you engage me, or why do you ask me to engage in this terrible action? Oh Lord, you seem to be saying things that are, that can be interpreted both ways. Your statements are as though mixed up. 
All your statements seem to be saying more than one thing. Therefore, my mind is confused. I know that you cannot do that. I'm sure that you are very clear. And what you are teaching also is clear. But because of my mind, confusion in my mind, I'm not able to understand. And I think that, uh, that it's a renunciation is as good as performance of action. So therefore, the doubt of Arjuna, whether it is renunciation of action that will lead to knowledge, moksha, or performance of action. So Lord Krishna taught him in the third chapter and fourth chapter. Third chapter, it was very clearly said that first stage is karma yoga, second stage is jnana yoga. First is the life of activity in the spirit of yoga. Second is the life of contemplation to pursue the knowledge. In the fourth chapter also Lord Krishna said that Kuru Karmeya Tasmatpam Purvahi Purvataram Kritam Look, all the aspirants in the past also they tread, treaded the path of Karma Yoga and then gained perfection in, in their life. So you also, you also take to this Karma Yoga. And Lord Krishna says that even if you take to life of Karma Yoga, if there is a doubt in your mind whether this is the right thing to do or not, then it will not bless you. The thing is that doing itself is not enough. Doing with conviction is required. Because when you do something, because, you know, I speak truth because my mother told me, my father told me, my teacher told me. But I don't know whether I should be speaking truth or not. I don't know whether it helps me or not. If the doubt is there, I cannot have a commitment. Then I can do only as long as it is convenient to me, then I will I let it go. So also, if Arjuna, suppose by the prodding of Lord Krishna, takes up the life of Karma Yoga, if he is not convinced, if he doubts, then even performance of the action, etc., will not help him. Therefore, chitvainam samshayam jnanasina, by the source, by the sword of knowledge, we have cut asunder this doubt that has arisen in your mind, and yoga matishta, take to the life of karma yoga. Uttishta, therefore, here Arjuna, arise to fight the battle. So, this chapter actually is chapter pertaining to knowledge. And still, Lord Krishna asks Arjuna to arise and fight the battle. Meaning therefore, the meaning thereby that karma yoga or performance of action is not opposed to knowledge. If actions are performed, if we live a life with proper attitudes, with right priorities, then our active life also very much becomes a means of knowledge. So karma also becomes an indirect means of knowledge. So Arjuna, do not think that I am telling you to do something which is not good for you. Arjuna wonders, why is Lord Krishna asking me to fight this battle? Is it really in my best interest or not? Or is it in his best interest? I don't know if Arjuna ever doubted that way, but still, one may doubt. So Arjuna, don't doubt. Recognize that what is being told here is the right thing. So it must become Arjuna's value. We can follow any value in our life only when we have conviction, when they become our values. As long as I am speaking truth, because my teacher told me, so long I am only obliging the teacher. And no one can oblige others for the whole life. We can oblige others only as long as it is convenient to us.
and then you forget it. Well, that's what teacher says, you know, Swami, that doesn't matter. I, I don't think he knows what he's talking about. It should become my conviction. Say, Arjuna, it should become your conviction. If there was, therefore, the doubt, resolve the doubt in your mind with a proper or viveka or understanding. So once it becomes your conviction, then you do this. Lord Krishna doesn't want Arjuna just to fight. Arjuna should fight only when he thinks that that is the best for him. Otherwise, Lord Krishna doesn't care whether Arjuna fights or not. He doesn't need Arjuna to do, accomplish his goal. So Arjuna is only joining this for his own sake. And he can do it wholeheartedly provided he has a conviction. And it took longer than four chapters, you know. At the end of 18 chapters, Lord Krishna says, Okay, now you can do whatever you think is right for you. That is the confidence that now Lord Krishna knows that Arjuna is quite clear that there is his right conviction and that he will definitely do what is the right thing to do. <coughs> but here Lord Krishna says, Give up the doubt. Develop, discover the conviction and then do what you have to do. So with that, the fourth chapter comes to a conclusion. Let us read the last Sankalpa Vakya. Om Tat Sada Om Tat Bhagavad Gita Su Upanishad Su Brahma Vidyayam Yoga Shastra Shri Krishna Arjuna Sambhade Jnana Karma Sanyasa Yoga Nama Chaturtho Dhyaya So this Chaturtho, this is the fourth chapter. Srimad Bhagavad Gita, so in, in Srimad Bhagavad Gita, Upanishad Su, which is nothing but the Upanishad, in fact, which is uttered by Lord Krishna, which is Brahma Vidyayam, the main topic is Brahma Vidya, Yoga Shastra, other topic is Yoga Shastra, Karma Yoga, Sri Krishna Arjuna Sambhade, which is in the form of the Sangada dialogue between Lord Krishna and Arjuna. The fourth chapter titled Jnana Karma Sanyasa. So Karma Sanyasa, renunciation of action, Jnana by knowledge. Renunciation of action by knowledge is the subject matter of the fourth chapter, which is Lord Krishna is taught. <coughs> Thus the fourth chapter of the Gita is concluded. Sarva dharman parityajya Mamekam sharanam raja Ahantva sarva papebhya Mokshayashyami mashuchaha Hari Om Purnamadav Purnamidam Purnat Purnamudachyade Purnasya Purnamadaya Purnamevavashishyade Om Shante 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 Shankaram Shankaracharyam Keshavam Badarayanam 
सूत्रभाष्यकृतौ वंदे भगवतनपुनःश्वरो गुरुरात्मे मूर्ति भेद विभागिने व्योमद्याप्तहाय दक्षिणामूर्त नम ओ शातिशातिशाति हरि ओ श्री गुरुभ्यो